0: This opportunity just to gather together, Lord, just to be in your presence, Lord, to have this privilege and this honor, Lord, just thank you. We just thank you that you provide this all for us, Lord. We just pray um, for Joseph today. Um, just align his heart to yours, Lord, and just have let him speak with boldness and conviction for the message that you have for us today. And let us open our hearts um, just to receive and then open our ears to listen, Lord. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Vic. All right. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's honored to stand with you guys um, and talk about an awesome topic that everybody gets really excited about. One laugh. (laughs) Frank's excited about it. Now, come on, let's get excited about this awesome topic. You know, it's up there with like you know, gifts and healing and stuff. People get excited about fasting. All right. Let's come on. Let's hear a cheer for fasting. Whoop whoop. Two whoops for fasting. Right. Perfect. All right. Um, so we're going to take a little break from our, our series on David and talk about fasting because uh, coming up here uh, is the season of Lent. And Lent, well, we may not find it in the, in the scriptures and we, we don't maybe see it in the Bible necessarily, but it's a, an early uh, and ancient church tradition. Okay, um, And it's uh, the 40 days leading up to, uh, to Easter. Um, and so it's a, a season of repentance, a season of fasting, a season mm-hmm. of prayer. Um, and so as part of that, uh, actually this coming Wednesday, so three days from now, uh, we'll kind of kick off that season with Ash Wednesday. All right? And again, these aren't things necessarily that we find in the, in the scriptures, but again, ancient uh, church traditions, um, things that we've been doing uh, as part of the church, just like uh, Easter, you know, just like celebrating Easter. So uh, we wanted to talk about it because as a church body, we, we are going to celebrate that and we invite everybody to, to join in into that, uh, to this season as we lead up to Easter uh, in centering our hearts on the Lord and fasting, is so we wanted to spend some time talking about that. Um, and so if you haven't celebrated Lent before or are interested in it um, or are interested in joining us in fasting, hopefully this, uh, this message will provide some of that framework, that biblical framework for it, um, and also stir our hearts to do it. All right. To actually get excited about it, not just because I told you to cheer and yell, but to actually have uh, some uh, insight into it uh, and the benefits and the beauty of fasting. All right. So... Let's see if I can get this. Uh, there we are. Perfect. So as we talked about, Lent, this corporate season uh, of worship. And again, churches, uh, many different branches of Christianity, Orthodox, Catholic, um, Protestant, throughout history have celebrated this season. All right, Corporate Christian season preceding Easter and historically a season of prayer, fasting, and giving. All right. Starts on Ash Wednesday, which is this coming Wednesday. Uh, and we'll put a quick plug in for the morning service. We'll actually have... Uh, um an Ash Wednesday morning, um addition to our prayer meeting, uh, we'll actually be administering ashes. So if you guys have ever seen people walking around at work and they've got a little dusty cross on their on their forehead, that's just, that's what's going on. Okay. Um, and part of the the history of it is emulating the forty days that Jesus fasted in the desert. All right. And so the, there's a big fasting component to Lent, and that's what we're really going to focus our, our talk on, on today about fasting. And what does the Bible say about fasting? What should our heart posture be as we enter into fasting? What are the benefits of fasting? All right. So as a quick plug for fasting, let's look at some of the people in the Bible who fasted. All right. So many. All right. Kind of a heroes of faith. It's almost the Hebrews uh, 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 Hall of Fame, right? Uh, cloud witnesses. Who fasted? Moses fasted, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Paul, Jesus. All right, so that's pretty kind of like a pretty heavy hitter list, right? If you look at like an all star list uh, for like a football game, Super Bowls tonight, by the way, or like an all star you know list, uh, those are some pretty big names, right? So they fasted, all right. So we can look at their stories and see why they fasted, how they fasted, and and gain and glean from that. People that fasted, not in the Bible, but spiritual heroes. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, for the Chinese people here, uh, may, may know Pastor Xi or Xi sun Okay? So see, some heroes of the faith also fasted. All right? So that should pique our curiosity, too. What did these heroes of the faith, are people who um, love the Lord or even biblical characters, all right, um, who are prophets and fathers and elders in the faith, if they fasted, what can we learn from them, right? And especially from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, fasting can be a little confusing because also the world fasts as well, right? So there's uh, there's fasting in the world, just like there is for a lot of the disciplines that we do, right? So we pray, but if you look across, you know, the you know the the world at other religions, they pray too, right? And so it can kind of be kind of confusing. And in fact, even in Scripture, sometimes Paul has to delineate or Jesus has to delineate between the prayer that that we are doing as Christians versus what the prayer of even uh, Jesus calls the heathens, what they do, all right? And so it can be confusing. And so keeping that same framework of mind as we look at fasting is to not confuse the fasting that is biblical, that all those heroes of faith that we just listed did Versus what we see fasting uh, in in the world, all right. So a couple examples of the fasting that the world does, you know, physical fasting. You probably hear people talking about, well, I'm on, I'm gonna fast. Somebody who doesn't even like have any religious belief, they're like, I'm a fast. I'm a whole thirty fast, right? Like, has anybody heard that before? Or like, yeah, I'm gonna do like the Atkins like fast. What they really mean is a diet, right? They're just talking about a diet, and that doesn't mean that's not a bad thing. I mean, I could use a diet, you know, like so that doesn't make that a bad thing. But sometimes we equivocate, or we, uh, sorry, uh, we. What's the word I'm looking for? We make that the same thing as what we're doing in the church with fasting, but it's not, right? So the goal, the heart intent of theirs is for health reasons, which is not bad. Uh, not bad, like I said, you know, probably a lot of us in America could do a little bit more fasting, for uh, dieting in that sense, okay? But that's what the world's talking about with physical or political, like uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi fasted for, actually, I don't know how long, does anybody know how long he fasted for? If anybody's ever watched the movie, but I mean, he's just like emaciated, Right. Oh, okay. Asher <laughs> watched the movie. Um, no, so, yeah, so Muhammad Gandhi fasted for political reasons, right? So his goal was a political intent, right? The intent of his heart was for political uh, change. Um, so that's what he fasted for. And even what, you know, as good as that is or what, whatever the intent may be, not the same, right? Not the same as what we're talking about from a biblical fasting and then also, if you look at other religions, uh, they do fast as well. So if you look at the Muslims, that they, they fast for spiritual reasons as well. Okay? Um, and so there's all these different variations of fasting around the world, just like there's variations of prayer around the world, and yet not for us to amalgamate or, or mix in what we're, what's biblical fasting from it. So that's what I wanted to really talk about today is biblical fasting for us as Christians. So I can really gain clarity of what we're doing. So even if you join in on this 40 days and people see the ashes on our foreheads, it won't be the same as they're thinking, oh, okay, they're just doing the Christian version of what Gandhi is doing or a Christian version of what the Muslims are doing. And I want to clarify that what we're doing is different, okay? So what we're going to talk about today is to reveal the biblical fasting. And three areas of topic I want to hit on fasting is and its purpose, all right? Number one is the purpose of fasting is revealing our own need. We'll start at Sermon on the Mount and talk about what Jesus talked about, that poverty of spirit, all right? Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit. It's not blessed are the poor just because I only have two pennies in my pocket. It's blessed the the poorest spirit because I see my need. I recognize that I'm a beggar, a spiritual beggar, and fasting helps us do that, all right? <laughs> Revealing God's sufficiency in that knowledge of how, how needy I am, recognizing that God's sufficiency, he's good, all right? He can fill those needs. That need that I have is actually filled not by anything else in the world, but filled by God. He's the bread of life. He's the living water, okay? And then next is it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship unto him. All right, just as in singing and praying, fasting is an act of worship. So we'll look at all three of these things, okay? and uh, we'll start with the best example and again we had that list of all those different characters and we can't look at every single we don't have time to look at every single one of them but obviously the first and foremost if it can't convince you if Jesus fasted and that can't convince you I don't know who else can right so Jesus fasted Luke 4 verses 1 through 2 all right <clears throat> the most important example Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. All right. And this is the, the very example that the Lenten season is built around, the 40 days of Lent. It's an, an, an emulation of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. And he fasted completely from food and water. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> The Ninevites fasted. All right? Even the Gentiles in the Old Testament. Jonah went to them, and they repented and they fasted. Not only did they fast; their animals fasted as well. Okay, I mean, I, I'm going to fast during the forty days. I don't think my dogs are going to join me, though. All right, but that's how 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 much they repented. So, example in Jonah. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Okay? A beautiful example of, of Gentile fasting in the Old Testament. And even sackcloth, uh, like tearing their clothes. Repentance, all right? Even their animals, not just fasted, they put sackcloth on animals. I don't know how that works, but, you know, they put sackcloth on their animals. So another Old Testament example. Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. All right, so Daniel's fasting. Uh, And his fast even looks a little bit different than the other two fasts that we looked at. Um, Daniel's fast was no delicacies, no meat, and no wine. And you no know, anointing oil. All right, so we've looked at a couple examples here, and then so, but the question we always oftentimes hear with regards to fasting is, well, do I have to fast? Right? So like, well, okay, maybe you're like, all right, yeah, like I looked at those examples, and that that seems pretty good, and you know, Paul, he's a good guy, like he fasted, that's pretty cool, like Moses and uh, and Jonah, and you know, all these other you know guys, Jesus fasted, okay, that's great. Uh, but do I have to? That seems a little, you know, like legalistic. Have, do I have to fast? And it, no, fasting is not like a common thing. You're, people are like, oh, wait, go to prayer meeting? Okay, great. You know, join a fast? Ah, that seems a little bit like a little bit odd. Do I have to do that? And, and I think actually that question reveals, as most things do, it's kind of, the, it's the, almost the wrong question, right? Like, imagine we took another discipline and put that in there and said, mm-hmm. well, do I have to pray? Like, do I have to? Right, do I have to be generous and give, or do I have to do all those things? And it's kind of the wrong question, right, because it's missing the intent of fasting. All right? uh, it's kind of like I always use these, these marriage examples, but uh, I was hanging out with Frank and, and Sue yesterday and just hearing, like, the when they went on missions, uh, you know, when they were young, you know, I can't remember how, when their kids were very small, and Frank said, I'm not going to go without you, Sue. You got to come with me. I want you to be with me, like, when I go on this mission trip. It was a dangerous one. You got to hear their testimony sometime. Smuggling Bibles, all right, and it's like, (laughs) and Frank wanted to bring Sue with him, all right, (laughs) and she's like, what? All right, and it's because it's a relationship of love, right, and so the same sort of thing is like a question of, like, do I have to fast? Well, I I don't know, for the married couples here, do you have to have date nights? It's like, do you have to? Well, I guess you don't have to, but why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, if this opportunity is here to get closer to the one that you love or to sacrifice good things to be closer to the one that you love, why wouldn't you, right? So it's almost the wrong question, right? Do I have to fast? Well, why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to? All right. So, yeah, sure, there is a freedom. Paul even talks about it. Galatians, we're called to freedom, brothers, only not to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. All right. It's because of our love of the Lord, love of Jesus, that we would should be excited to fast. If we truly love him, our excitement should be to do these things, to pray, to spend time with him, uh, to, to fast, right? Uh, it's kind of like, again, going back to that marriage analogy. Imagine you signed your, your marriage documents and, all, and then in it included this law that you have to, at 6 p.m. on every Wednesday night, you have to have a, a date night. Well, that, that is the legalism that Paul is talking about, but that doesn't mean date nights are bad or that you shouldn't do them. In fact, you should be excited about them, right, or to spend time with your loved ones. It's an opportunity to grow in love. And in fact, there's almost, there's an expectation in the Bible that we will do this. When Jesus talks about fasting, it's not of, you know, if you decide to, Jesus talks about when. He talks about it with an expectation that the ones that he loves will want to do that with him. All right. So in Matthew chapter 6, 16 through 18, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right. So Jesus, in talking about fasting for his disciples, for his followers and peoples, he has an expectation, an expectation that we will. And it's kind of like, the, again, that question of why, why would you? Well, why wouldn't you? You know, Why wouldn't you? Because of love. same thing with day nights. You have to? No, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to dedicate that time? Even further on he goes, Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And guess what, brothers and sisters, we're in that time. The bridegroom is taken away from us, the one that we love. And in that day, Jesus says, they will fast. They will fast, mm-hmm. all right? And, and again, without even having a commandment to do that, not that, ah, oh, I have to fast because Jesus said that, that I have to, it's a question of when Jesus is taken away, do I love him so much that I long and yearn for him to return? That's the heart of it, that return of Jesus. If I love him that much, my heart posture will be that I want to fast, want to pray. All right. So, um, and uh, fasting, again, um, is that act of worship. And One of the best examples that we see um, as an act of worship is with Anna in the temple, All right, mixing fasting and prayer. So in Luke chapter 2, the description about Anna, one who is dedicated to, to, um, to seeing the Lord, seeing the advent, uh, this is what is described of her. So Luke chapter 2, 36 through 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And note how, how Luke describes that. Her worship was two things. Her worship was prayer, and her worship was fasting. Right? So that act of, of worship, fasting is part of it. Right? It's an act of worship. Uh, part of our fasting is saying that, God, you are worthy. Like You're worthy of this. You're worthy of this time. You're worthy of this intent. You're worthy of this dedication. Uh, it's an act of worship. It's a declaration of his glory, of his worthiness. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Um, so looking at, uh, um, in Acts as well, uh, whenever the, the again, if that fasting is worship, there's another example here with Saul and Barnabas while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy spirit said, set apart from me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them again, a corporate body of believers, not even just individually, but a corporate body of believers in the new Testament coming together to worship the Lord with what does Acts tell us? Well, they were together praying. They were together fasting, and that was part of their worship. So um, hopefully that kind of lays the groundwork of this is not kind of an extreme thing. This is not a, uh, you know, it's the weird guys out in the desert doing it. Uh, it's not a like, oh, there, there's monks and monasteries, monasteries doing it. This was a natural and early outflow within the church, right? Singing songs, praying together, and fasting was part of their worship gathering together in the early church, So that that removing that idea that this is just an extreme or uh, an unusual thing, this is a common thing for the church, a common thing for believers, as an act of their worship corporately together in the early church, in the Acts church. All right. Now, um, again, looking back at some of the, the ways that the world fasts, we have to clarify, again, that the fasting that we do as an act of worship means, by default, that it is not an act for ourselves. All right. So uh, in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, the Lord actually uh, um, criticizes or corrects uh, the, the Jewish people for the fast. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and the seventh month for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? All right. And I think that, that that accusation actually ties in to the act of worship for fasting. That fasting, as an act of worship, is unto the Lord, right? Unto God. It is focusing on us on the Lord. It's an act of worship for the Lord. Not, as the world does, fasting for ourselves, right? Whether that's as a diet, for political gain, or wanting to see something happen. And we can see the same thing when we talk about prayer, right? So oftentimes prayer uh, is funny. We were talking uh, the other day about um, somebody brought a a little child's uh, little prayer card up, and uh, reading the prayer card, uh, you know, it's innocent, the little child, but it was a lot like a Christmas uh, Santa list, right? So their prayer list was like, Lord, I want a specific bike. And it had this, like, name of this bike and stuff like that. That's his prayer request. So he wanted us to pray for him to receive this specific bike. All right. Uh, and the same thing. So we mix up that idea of fasting, same thing, that that pitfall in prayer. We make it our Santa Claus Christmas list, right? And that is prayer for ourselves. And the same way with fasting, it's like, ah, oh, I want this thing to happen. I want to accomplish this thing. And yet, the primary focus, uh, as Jesus shows us, and as the Bible shows us, it actually, it's actually primarily a worship of the Lord. All right, it's a worship of the Lord. And so, to, again, uh, looking at the, the ways of the world and not to mix up the way that we pray and the way that we fast with how the heathens do it. All right. um, and Jesus, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, tells, uh, tells the disciples that when you pray, don't make it vain repetitions as if you would earn something from it. All right. And the same way with fasting. Fasting is not for us to earn something or qualify or or buy something from the Lord, but it's actually a worship unto him and to open ourselves up to receive even more. And and the way that we can kind of outline that is with these sort of three things, okay? So again, kind of purposes of fasting, not a Christmas list for us to gain something, okay? Not a vain repetition for us to to earn something, um, but fasting reveals these things. So three things. Fasting reveals the things that control us, all right? So there's no better way. For us to look and see, man, what are the things that influence my life or control me, than to fast from them. All right? Because if I can't give them up, that's something that really controls me. We see this all the time when we talk about, especially with food, okay? Um, and with food, you know, how many people have heard uh, somebody say, ah, I'm, I'm angry, but it's just because I'm, I'm hungry, I'm hangry. Have you guys heard the, the phrase hangry before? I mean, who, who's used the word hangry, right? Okay, who gets hangry? Okay, you can confess. All right, confess. I get, you know, I get hangry sometime. But am I angry because I'm hungry? Or am I angry because actually I do have a spirit of anger in me, right? That hangry, even as funny as it might be, is actually an excuse for not dealing with what's actually deep in my heart, which is anger, which is anger. That hunger part of it actually just reveals what's already there in my heart, right? It's actually, no, I'm not just hungry. The hungry part of it revealed that I actually have anger in my heart. I'm a sinful, broken person, and I struggle with anger, all right? And it's the fasting that revealed it, all right? Fasting reminds us um, that we are sustained. uh, We are sustained by God, sustained by God alone. Again, kind of like we talked about, that God himself, in the midst of all these things, recognizing our weakness, that poverty of spirit, that actually, no, I'm not a patient person, and that my anger isn't just an occasional thing when I'm hungry, but that I'm actually poor and broken, recognizing that God is sufficient for all of that. I'm sustained not because I'm, I can control my anger. I'm not sustained because I can power through the problems of my life. But actually, what sustains me is the Lord, is the Lord. You know, I love this quote about prayer. Um, uh, someone once said that, you know, the problem with prayer, our lack of prayer, our prayerlessness in the church uh, is not a lack of time, all right? It's actually a lack of recognizing our need. It's not that we don't pray because we don't have enough time. We have plenty of time. Right? We have time enough to check our phones, even as busy as some of us are, you know, you know, working or whatever it may be. We've all got time to, you know, check our phones or do all these things. It's not that we don't have enough time to pray. It's because we don't think we need to. Right? We don't think we need to because we can, you know, handle all these sort of things. So a problem comes up in my life. I can handle it with my own wisdom, with my own gifts, with my own abilities. Right? But prayer is recognizing that actually, no, it's whenever those things happen, that was bad things and. We're able to turn them around, or it turns out for good. It wasn't because of us. It was because God sustained us. Right? And the same thing with the discipline of fasting. Fasting reminds us that it's not our own strength, or our own ability, or wisdom that we're able to have victory in these things, or to sustain ourselves, or even to have any day and walk around, um, to even live and breathe. It's actually because the Lord sustains us. It's the Lord that sustains us. And when we fast and cut away some of those things that support us, whether that might be food, or whether the things that we rely on, like media or entertainment, when we cut those things away, it's almost is throwing ourselves on the rock of ages and recognizing that it's him that sustains us. All right, so number two. And number three is fasting helps us keep a balance in our lives because when we recognize those first two things, it helps us, keeps us grounded, okay, to recognize that. It helps us keep us a balance. And so we'll, we'll kind of take a look at those, those three things here. All right. <clears throat> All right. Um, I'm going to read a quote here, but uh, John Wesley said this. First, let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him. Let our intention herein be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. That is the only way we will be saved, from loving the blessing more than the blesser. Okay. And again, going back to the way that the, the world looks at prayer and fasting, looking to gain something, like Santa Claus, you know. Um, there's a quote uh, that um, I like. It's uh, it's amazing that the rest of the world uh, in other religions people beg their gods to listen to them, um, but in Christianity, God actually begs us to talk to Him. Right? So He asks us and invites us to pray um, because we want, the whole point is that we want the blesser more than the blessing. We want the person. We want God. All right. No matter whether or not there's good things or bad things, we know that He's good. We want Him. All right. Not the the the, the gifts and fasting positions our heart to receive those free gifts they open the door there's a a kind of a a monumental book on on the gifts of the spirit um, by a man named Richard Foster and if you guys ever had the chance to check it out it's actually in our library it's called Celebration of Disciplines and he talks about all the different various disciplines in in the church body Um, and he has this to say uh, about fasting this is Richard Foster a farmer is helpless to grow grain all he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take over and up comes the grain. This is the way it is with spiritual disciplines. They are a way of sowing the spirit. The disciplines are God's way of getting us into the ground. They put us where he can work within us and transform transform us. By themselves, spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. They're God's means of grace. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where we He can bless us all right so it's a con- conditioning of the soil of our hearts to receive those things that we just talked about those truths that actually I'm empty and poor to receive actually he's enough all right to receive that actually I don't need to you know be eat, you know eat this in order to make it through my day I don't need to have three meals a day or if you're a hobbit five meals a day in order to make it through my day right like I don't actually have to have those things it's it's a recognition preparing my heart for the soil to receive the truth of actually i don't have anything and actually god is everything and everything i do have is is because he's given it to me and he sustains me all right so again that those are those primary purposes and again jesus tells us that you know uh, when again going back to those three square meals a day jesus tells us he answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god it's him that sustains us and how important for us to even have that recognition and realization, um, especially in times of persecution. You know, I think it's easier here in, uh, in the Western church, but when we look at persecuted churches around the Middle East or, or in Asia, um, they recognize that, right? Because they have those moments, those times when everything is taken away. When you're in prison without a meal, what is it that sustains them? Well, it's it's God. It's God, right? And it's easier for us when we're uh, affluent or when we don't have that persecution To think that, okay, well, if those things happened, I I would be able to make it through that. But fasting actually puts us in that place where we practice it out and really say, actually, I'm going to deprive myself of those things to recognize that need that I have for the Lord and that he'll sustain me. All right. In John chapter um, 4, Jesus says this, The disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples asked one another, "Did somebody bring him something to eat?" And Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work." All right. I think we see, you know, people in uh, believers in prisons and believers in, in times of persecution able to echo those words of Jesus, all right, um, because they have food that we do not know about. All right. it's, it's the grace of the Lord. All right. And so, for us to be able to practice, practice that even. Praise the Lord. We're in, uh, uh, in America where we're not faced with daily persecutions, but there is a time that's coming. And for those of you who uh, came on Friday to talk about, uh, you know, the, the times of Jacob's trouble, uh, we as a church, the, the blessing of fasting can actually also prepare our hearts to see, are we in a place where we can say that? You know, it's easy for us to think about it in the moments of our comfort, but are we actually in a place where we could say, with persecution, if we're thrown in prison or we're poor or lack, all these things, can we say, like Jesus says, I have food that you don't know about? All right. And again, even in, the midst of our, our, in our comfort, it's easy for us to forget those three things that we just talked about. It's easy for us to forget that we're poor. It's easy for us to forget that actually the Lord sustains us in all things when we do have affluence, when we do have all the comforts that we need. All right. But fasting helps us to remind us of those, those truths and keep us in balance. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And we don't know what we're dominated by until we try to give it up, right? We don't know what we're dominated by until we try to give it up, okay? And so um, even in preparing our hearts for this, this season uh, of Lent, ask the Holy Spirit to identify those things, you know, because we need the Spirit to identify them for us because it's hard for us to do it. Bible says the heart is deceptive above all things. Right? And that first step is recognizing what is it that dominates our life. You know, the Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, you know, whenever people go to their meetings, what's the first thing that they ask people to come to a recognition of? Is that I am an alcoholic, right? And it's almost the same thing that Jesus tells them in the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Beatitudes. The first thing that we have to recognize is that I'm poor. Right? I'm poor, and I've got things that control my life that I, I can't even recognize or deal with in my own life until the Holy Spirit identifies them for me. All right. So even taking this point, start to ask the Holy Spirit, what are the things, can you highlight for me those things? Because I'm blind. I've got a log in my eye and I don't know. I don't know what's, what's controlling my life. Let the Holy Spirit identify them all right, so that we can bring those forward uh, in our times of fasting. All right. <clears throat> um, you know, the, uh, um, the, the, the cost of discipleship uh, people talk about the cost of discipleship all the time. And we, we, this past week, I was reading a little bit about Bonhoeffer. Um, Bonhoeffer was one who, um, we don't have time to go with this whole story, but basically in the time of the Holocaust, he he was one of the people that was um, in the church that was actually resisting and fighting back. Right? And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And, but basically, two points of The Cost of Discipleship is is from Jesus' words. If anybody wants to follow me, he's got to come and do th- two things, right? He's got to take up his, he's got to deny himself. And he's got to take up his cross, right? And when we embrace the disciplines, um, that is what we're doing. We're denying ourselves, right? And we're taking up this cross to follow him. Right? Um, and so, you know, let, let's take a look at those things and allow the Holy Spirit, even as we were just talking about, to identify what is in our life, you know? Uh, how easily we, we allow non-essentials to take precedence in our life. How much of our day is, is spent thinking about and planning for either our food or our entertainment or basically things that are not necessarily bad, but non-essential, okay? well, how much it controls and and, and, um, and dictates our life. And so in these next uh, 40 days, starting Wednesday, um, I encourage all of you to take these passages and take these examples within the Bible and from our, our spiritual uh, fathers or church fathers, um, and, and ask the Lord, is this a moment where I can, like Paul says, identify what are things in my life that are controlling me, even good things, right, good things that are lawful for me, what can I identify that'll actually be able to give up and stretch my heart in order to understand more of my poverty, in order to understand more of my need for you, Lord? And like Richard Foster was saying, thus prepare my heart like soil to receive more of the Lord, to receive the truth that He is enough. Right. Some practical steps as we enter into um, enter into uh, lent the Lent season. Say so if you haven't fasted before, start slow. Okay. We we'll oftentimes think about fasting kind of like Jesus, you know, forty days without food and water in the desert. At, I wouldn't recommend, you know, recommend starting like forty days, you know, without food and water. But start slow. Start with something small. All right, start with something, and ask the Holy Spirit to identify what that might be. You could even fast one meal. All right, fasting one meal a day. Uh, it's harder than harder than it looks. And in fact, um, there was a quote uh, by somebody. Um, uh, basically, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but we're all the the society, uh, the def- the fall of society is just, um, I think it was like ten meals away. Right, ten, and what he meant by that was if you if, if everybody stopped, if there was no food, it would take about 10 meals. Uh, you're, you're talking about about three days or so before all society would fall apart, right? So all society would fall apart. So even starting with fasting, just one meal, how important that is for most of us as, as people to have those meals. Just start with one, one, one meal. Or do a juice fast there's many different ways we even looked at some of the examples when we talked about like jesus and, and moses and paul uh, and daniel all of them fasted in different ways and one example is even a daniel fast you know, daniel fasted from uh he only drank uh he food fruit and vegetables uh, and didn't anoint himself and also no wine so a lot of different examples the remembering what jesus said not to draw attention to ourselves right the pharisees when they fasted they fasted not to worship the Lord, not to recognize the poverty of their spirit, but actually to have other people recognize them as being awesome, right? And so that's a trap that we want to avoid, a pitfall that we want to avoid. And then monitoring the inner attitude of our hearts. Not to do it begrudgingly, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to do it with joy, right? Wash your face, do it with joy. Because the truth of it is, by giving up to those things that are, that are not necessarily bad things, but good things, we actually get to receive more of the Lord, see the joy of, of recognizing his sustaining power in our life, the bread of life, the living water. All right? And that should be a joy. That should be a joy when we enter into it. All right. So in this next season, ask the Holy Spirit to move your heart to answer that, that bridegroom call. Jesus said when he's not here, we'll be fasting for him. All right. The longing and the mourning uh, for him. And also to recognize within ourselves uh, that poverty and that need for more of him. All right. To beat our bodies. So, asking those questions, um, and I'm asking you to invite Becca to come forward and, and give us even some more uh, prayer points and exhortations as we enter into this Lenten season.
1: Thanks, Joseph. Um, yeah. So, what a what a fun invite into fasting. That it's something that yeah, it's not an if but a when. Um, and one thing that I just wanted to share from the scriptures when I think about fasting, like one of the passages actually that comes to mind for me is Revelation. Um, chapter 3, when Jesus um, is talking to the church of Laodicea, and it says, Thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Oh, that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have made myself wealthy, and I need nothing. But you do not know that you are miserable and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white clothes so that you may dress yourself and so the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Um, and I love, you know, what Joseph shared about sometimes like we get hangry and we're like, oh, well, like it's just cause I haven't had food. Like we think we're very quick to assume that when the ugliness of sin arises out of our hearts, that it's because of our circumstances and not because of our sinful nature. Um, And so it's really easy for us to point fingers and be like, oh, well, it's this, you know, it's this circumstance or it's that circumstance or it's this person like rubbing me the wrong way. Like, but actually it's us. Um, And sometimes we need that season or that gift of fasting, like Joseph shared, to allow our flesh to come to the surface so that we can bring it before God and crucify it. Um, And so in that sense, like, I'm just so grateful for the gift of fasting that sometimes because of the affluence of the culture that we live in, we can have, I can have whatever I want to eat today. I could go out and buy anything I can think of. Like, I can go and find it, right? Anything I want to eat, drink do like experience like I can go get it like we have so many options we don't realize how much that doles us and we're so full on other things that aren't necessarily bad but we don't even realize like our spiritual hunger or our lack of like longing for and yearning for Jesus um so I just I have a couple of practicals Jefferson if you can pull up the slides just before we go into response time one of the things that we've done is a long time for a community is that we always, whenever we do an extended fast like this, we encourage people to fast from two things. Um, and one of them is food. So like, you know, Joseph gave a lot of examples. You could do a Daniel fast, you could do a juice fast, you could do, you know, whatever the Lord leads you to. Um, but so choosing one food sort of a fast that stretches you. But the other thing that we also encourage people to fast from is, is something of media. Um, And one of the reasons being is like, I know like sometimes, you know, you get home from work or you're, you know, getting up. And the first thing we look at is usually our phones, like not our Bibles. Um, And so just just wanting to when you're consecrating that season, like it's actually really important what we behold and what we set in front of our eyes and what we meditate on, what we're putting in our our minds. Um, And so maybe, you know, for for some of you that might look a little different, you know, like might look like Instagram or Facebook or video games or you know, I don't know. On, you know, online shopping, whatever it may be, but but choose something else um, that that stretches you. And I, but I think it's important to recognize that we're not just laying something down, but we need to fill it with something. So that brings us to our next slide. Um, one of the things that I think is is super helpful, and this isn't on the slide, but like you know, if you're fasting you should hopefully be praying more or reading the Bible more because otherwise you're basically just on a glorified diet and you're just miserable. Right. Um, And so, so filling it with something of the Lord, be it, Hey, I'm going to go to an extra prayer meeting a week, or I'm going to get up earlier to spend some time in the scriptures. Um, But we also, as a community, our staff kind of got together and we were just chatting. We're like, guys, like, what do you feel like you want to press in and, and ask the Lord for in prayer in this season? Um and some of the things or some of the topics that, that we really felt led that we want to spend, you know, the next like a little over a month praying for is asking number one just for an increase of the fear of the Lord. Um so asking for the fear of God. We also want to spend some time praying for um, a Chinese ministry in our church. Our church used to be predominantly Chinese, and it is not so much so at this moment, as you guys can look around and notice, <laughs> but um, praying that the Lord... we also happy about. Yes, we love diversity. Um, so we're not praying that all of y'all would leave and we'd only be filled with the Chinese people again, but um, praying that that expression um, would have some life on it from God, and um, Another thing we want to ask God for is just more singers and intercessors and musicians to stand in the house of prayer um, and and to build with. Um, And then lastly, um, something that our community really wants to pray for is Griselda's healing. Um, So you guys can probably see she is very, very sick um, and needs a miracle of the Lord. Um, And so that's something that, you know, I want to encourage you guys, if you're prayer leaders, feel free to mix these things into our small group topics on a regular basis, like during the fast. Um, But for for all of us really, like, you know, when you get hungry and you're like, oh, like I really want some, like I want meat right now or I want this or that, like, and that, you know, hangry head flares up, like. Pick one of these things to pray for um, and press in together. And you guys, you know, I want to encourage you too personally, like on a personal note, like it might be helpful for you too to just like ask the Lord, like Holy Spirit, like what is something that I can be praying for personally as well? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's like an area of sin that you're like, man, I really want to get rid of this fear in my heart or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so just, just want to encourage us that as we abstain from something, We want to have like a target sort of to aim for and something to focus on that we're pressing into more of him, more of him in all of these areas. Um, So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I wanted to share. So what I actually want us to do, um, some of you guys, you've been doing this Lent fast for as long as you've been a Christian If You grew up in FHL, and some of you guys maybe have been doing it for decades. um, And some of you maybe haven't heard of it before or done it before, and you maybe hadn't thought about what you're fasting. But for our time of response, like, I actually want us to take some time um, just to ask the Lord, like, Holy Spirit, like, what should I fast from? And something that I, like, personally have found to be helpful, not like an end-all, be-all, thus saith the Lord, but usually that one thing that you're like, I really don't want to fast from this, that's probably what you need to fast from um so yeah take we're gonna just you know as Priscilla kind of goes back into a time of worship we're gonna take some time to ask the Lord like God like what what should I be abstaining from in this season and also take a minute to ask him like well what should I fill it with instead like how can I pray more how can I seek your face more what should I ask you for um, what should I be pressing in for um, and then' We're going to take some time to share with our neighbors as well, um, just the blessing of accountability in the body. Um, you know, maybe share with with a friend next to you, like, hey, this is what I'm giving up for this season. Will you pray with me that God would give me grace? Um, because all of us need the grace of the Lord. So um, we'll take a minute maybe just to kind of be quiet, you know, for... Um, a minute or two. Actually, Priscilla, if you can lead us in a song, like just a short song to give people some time to dialogue with the Lord. And then when she's done, we'll turn to our neighbors and just kind of share, like, what do you feel like God's putting on your heart? Um And, and we'll take a minute to pray with one, one another. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let's take, let's just take the next couple minutes, just turn to your neighbor and just share with each other. What do you feel like the Lord's putting on your heart to fast from in this season? Um, and then after you share, just pray for each other for grace. This is also our time of offering. So when you guys are done sharing and praying, feel free to bring your offering up to the front.